0: is up fortitude radio welcome back for another very special episode with another very special guest today we're in we are uh, we're joined rather by my buddy kyle langen Um, i met kyle through the in lifted certification that i'm currently working uh through our level two on Uh, kyle is actually one of my coaches at this point in time helping me refine tweak um tell a better story work on my own language, and get some accuracy and some clarity on some personal goals. Kyle's joining us today to really uh, tell us a little bit of his story, and uh, it sounds like we're going to leave you guys with some very actionable steps to be able to start improving your own life. So, Mr. Kyle, take it away, brother.
1: Cody, thank you for that introduction. Um, humbling uh, humbling to be uh, present here for you and your audience on this podcast um, for myself as Cody briefly touched on uh, I'm a coach uh, specifically a, a business coach and what I do is uh, empower communication and cultural development in the corporate landscape um, I do that through through language workshops that help the employees help and the employees develop and maintain their ability to focus on customer experience um, and this is all again done through through language workshops and uh, my journey in in finding and discovering the the power of language work um, started uh, through athletics, and particularly um, through going through some trying times with injury. Um, Cody, as you know, owner of a CrossFit gym, um, injuries are a big part of the game, and um, so for me. I did track and field in high school, swam in high school and track and field events that I competed in were um, really more field events. I was a javelin thrower. Um, lifted a lot of weights to to get strong when I was in high school and college and stay competitive in these landscapes. Mm. And then when I, um, when I moved on from that, I got into triathlons and, and did an Ironman triathlon when I was uh, 22 years old, actually. Wow. And so I put Some mileage on my body, for sure, and we'll say that was 2012 when I did the Ironman, almost 10 years ago now. And over the the next 10, I I pursued some races, triathlons, uh, nothing that big, and really got into some different unconventional strength stuff, a lot of on it based stuff, and I uh, herniated three discs uh, neck, lower back two, two of my neck, one of my lower back and struggle with that for uh, more than a year we'll say like a year and a half um, 19, 18 into 19 really yep. and what that process allowed me to see was that I was doing a lot of the things I was doing from the wrong platform um, not being good enough uh, always wanting to uh, do more, uh, not for myself, but to, uh, to, to prove something. Um, you know, I, I why was, I was obsessive watching the videos of people crossing the finish line of Iron Man's and getting this this title um, or the announcement that you are an Iron Man. And it, it was almost as if I, I I felt I had to suffer in order to gain a cool affirmation or a cool mantra. Like that, if you endure that, then you can be something cool. If you if you endure pain, then you can be something awesome. And this left me pretty pretty broken down, burned out, injured, and um, I, I took a look at I took a look at that um, when I was forced to. And a couple of good mentors and and coaches approached me. Um, you know, with some advice for my career and for my work, and it was about tweaking my my language, saying I get to do this, and, and so versus I have to do this the the freeing language versus the pressure language, and something really hit about that advice. It, it wasn't like watching some Gary Vee video or, or whatever it is, where you, you see it and it. You know it, you understand it, but this really hit and I absorbed it and I was happy and I enjoyed a lot of success, which came more as a side effect success than something I was chasing. And I said, there must be a lot more of this (laughs) whole, like I only changed one word, only one. And so much changed for me. Um, in terms of what I was able to achieve and how happy I was doing it. So this was to, to create a timeline at what point in my dealing with injuries, this was in the very beginning. So I, I was back and forth, pain, you know, you name it. And, and this started to materialize in my career. I said, you know, it's time I look at this in other areas and, uh, you know, pursued some, some coaching programs and, went into the strong coach um wanting to to have the same impact on me that to have the same impact on others that that coaches you know had on me and in that program i i was privy to the content of the lifted the way of the lifted athlete and, and some of the self-talk pieces and i said oh yeah this was totally me uh doing all this stuff from a platform of self-domination um the Billy, as they call it, this alter ego that shows up, um, you know, when you're at the gym and you you punish yourself over time, that, that alter ego shows up everywhere, shows up in, in all sorts of areas of your life. So, yeah, that, that's how I ended up uh, really going deep and becoming a, a language and communication coach and a business coach. Um, I've really been able to enjoy syncing my competitive mindset and my competitive fire into the business development and, and really usher in a more fun and enjoyable uh, fitness regimen um, for myself that's also sustainable for me and my time, my family and, and future as well. So
0: that sustainability piece, I think is one of the things. so full disclosure, I have two gyms. Fortitude strength is no longer a crossFit affiliate sure we made, we made the decision um, March April of 2020 to step away from the brand after five Cameron. years so we took a lot of the lessons and one of the things one of the reasons mm-hmm. rather that we chose to move away from that brand is I up until this point and this includes myself did not know anyone who had been involved in the thing doing crossFit for more than eight months who wasn't dealing with some sort of a nagging injury or a psychological physiological burnout the question becomes if we're saying that this is helping people lead a better life and it's actually making them worse out there yeah what the fuck are we doing
1: that becomes a lot like the um In any good marketing campaign, the person who's potentially buying the product is the hero in the story, Mm -hmm. not the product. And then CrossFit became the hero in its own story where you needed the box, Jim. You needed the community. You needed the lift Mm -hmm. to feel healthy and empowered that day. It, It didn't give you that when you left. Sure. It was something that was present while you were there. Um Which is a microcosm of really all we're we're discussing is you know this 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 sense of need, this sense of attachment to your your fitness identity and your your strength and and all that. It 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 goes so only so far when you do it from the wrong platform. Mm.
0: Yeah, those I I really liked how you talk about the road to hell motivators, right? (laughs) The uh, the uh, the um, doing it because I. I will be successful if, or I will consider myself good enough if I accomplish this, if I prove them wrong, they'll like me when, dot, dot, dot. Yep. And all of those most typically lead us down a path of stress, anxiety, and less fulfillment, right? Because we're projecting onto things outside of ourselves to feel that sense of fulfillment. And it sounds like that is what got you in a little bit of the, uh, the painting, the training, um, the hot water, right? The, I had to suffer mentality. Is that accurate?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I used to do, I used to wake up when I was training for Ironman's at four in the morning and get on a trainer that I had in the basement. I used to watch training videos, the brand of these training videos was called the suffer fest. Oh man. And they had a scale at which you were supposed to be suffering. Ooh, while you're doing it. <laughs> and so I formed this association that if I wasn't suffering, you know, that much, it, it wasn't a good workout or, or if I didn't have a good workout and my vision was to do this thing that I didn't have a good day mm. and you'd get off the rails and so, suffering became um, the the holy grail. <laughs> mm. You needed it. Yeah, take out the "you." I needed it. Um, so that that yeah, to say that, that would be totally accurate. To say that, that was uh, a big thing for me.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's unsustainable long term as well as you've well pointed out. Right? That yeah. seems to be one of the issues most people run into with introducing any sort of fitness regimen right is i need to go hard every day and i need to go from zero to sixty immediately and we might be able to do that for one or two weeks yeah and then the system starts to break down whether it be like you said incurring of injury herniated discs are not enjoyable no they're not Especially all of the stories, right? That get perpetuated around things like a back injury. Yes. So walk walk us through a little bit of the, uh, the, what was the, was there a moment? Was there a catalyst for you? The catalyst for change? Was it an accumulation of events? Were it certain things that took you from the, I need to push myself, suffer into the, all right, this needs to be longer term sustainable. 2018, 19 is not all that long ago.
1: No, it is not that long. It was very recent. And I would say after I had one pretty, pretty major disc herniation where uh, it was my neck. It was January of 19 to two years ago. And it literally looked like my head was not on straight. Like my head was off to the side. <laughs> and looking at myself in the mirror, like, you're doing a lot wrong here man like <laughs> the results are the truth like is up so I, and i had pain down my arm uh, my left arm that like it was hard to walk my dogs on a leash mm. and all this stuff and i was like i suffered a while for that like three months of like acute pain came out of it I'm like okay i need to look at some things differently here um so i, I started to adjust the regimen knowing i, I had. It was necessary for uh, self-preservation to to ease things up, and I started to look at the philosophy of holistic wellness. After that, like the Paul Checks, um, even Aubrey Marcus to a degree, like these people who involve the breathing in what they did, or people who were a vision of what I wanted to be. Right, like Paul Check is sixty-five years old; he still lifts weights, he's in perfect shape, and I said, okay what are the patterns that go along with what he does? Um, a lot of walking, um, a, a lot of rotational work, um, versus that eccentric isometric stress all the time with that comes with the bar and, and, and the dumbbells and, um, you know, Paul track doesn't, uh, do the suffer fest videos every morning. Um, in fact, the opposite, uh, and so I started first really to look at the patterns of people whom I wanted to emulate. And, and isn't that true of all of us really? Mm -hmm. So it's like, be careful who your idols are. Um, Because if if you have your set of problems and if you try to become them, you're going to pick up their problems too. Mm.
0: And I think you touched on something important there about, you know, what are the people who you want to be like doing and looking at, that accurately or as in the whole thing yes so i'm thinking you know back into the crossfit because our second gym is still a crossfit gym and it will remain that way but i'm thinking in that space right people see the instagram or whatever the workout of the day on comp train is and they're like well they must the best are doing this so i need to do this too they're not factoring in all of the intentional recovery strategies that go in with that workout or what the warm up looks like or how much time they're sleeping. Professional athletes, the sport of finish is a professional sport. No, absolutely. And yeah. I imagine that people look at the one thing, right? They see what they're doing on Instagram and they're like, well, I guess I gotta go handstand walk 300 feet now, even though my shoulder hurts a little bit, rather than identifying what are all of the things that this person's doing. Like you're doing with Paul check Aubrey Marcus.
1: Yeah. And I think too, you're absolutely right. Looking at the whole, the whole truth, right? Like my old javelin coach used to say, when I would ask about certain drills, he said, he would say, okay, you saw this Olympic thrower do it on YouTube. He goes, if I was your basketball coach, like, would you try to dunk from the foul line just because Jordan can do that? Like, no, that's idiotic. That's good. <laughs> yeah. And that really put it in perspective. It's like, that's, that's a drill for them. And, you know, similarly, um, you're right. The sport of fitness is marketed to be one for the people to where this is what you're all supposed to do. And in, in reality, though, if you do look at professional sports as you watch a, a, a soccer training ground drill or like a football practice, and it, it looks like a joke, like they're really just messing around. Mm-hmm. Like, do these guys ever take it seriously? And it's like, the answer is no. They do the low-grade, uh, emulating motions of their sport in a, in a low state of stress, where they're they're like having a good time with it. This way, when the stress comes in, they're good at executing, mm. rather than inviting in the stress. And that that's actually the way the high-level people produce. Like what I learned about cycling after my years of the fest is, like pros would literally do. Like what you would consider a neighborhood level like tool around your neighborhood intensity for like five or six hours a day like they would train for a long time, but it would be like below conversational pace mm-hmm. to build up that capacity so it's like oh i'm I'm doing like hit training, which is one meant to be condensed to a short time for an hour and that's yeah. like four days a week that that's you know, not how the extraordinary actually do it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the, looking at the whole of, of any ecosystem, right? Particularly, like you said, um, their recovery, um, their, their experience, their age, like everything. You know, I, I don't try to lift weights like a professional NFL defensive lineman. So, you know, in this case, a CrossFit athlete, and that's a pro is that strong. Like they are that guy or, or girl, um, you know, so to try to emulate their training, it's a, it's a logical fallacy.
0: Well, one of the questions that comes up or with that, that I, I try to remind members of, or people who is what's the goal. Yeah. What's the real goal? Not the goal that just popped up because you walked in here and you saw that Dan, uh, just lifted right. 225, 10 times. What's your real goal? So how do people in those, um, I would say that's slightly in a mid, in an, an amygdala hijacked state, right? When we all of a sudden we start to think we lose context for the whole, how do people bring themselves back to this is what's most important? This is what I need to be focusing on.
1: You know, you ask yourself, well, what part of me lost focus? Mm-hmm. If you walked into the gym and you saw somebody else do something and now you want to do it, it, is your ego that was speaking to you that you want to, that now wants to do that? Um, so being able to silo um, the voice into, okay, well, that was my ego that got me off track. Like accurately identifying that, being honest about that versus, you know, your, your true Vision is often driven by the heart, driven by your heart versus um, your ego or your shadow self um, or even your mind. Like the mind can be fleeting, distracting. Um, so, so sticking with, you know, asking yourself, you know, what does my heart tell me? Um, I get, it would get annoyed when people would ask me that because then I would have to be honest. Like, oh, all right, what does my heart tell me? All right, I'll figure it out. And, and so you you develop that skill over time. Um, it's not something that one day you wake up and you're like, all right, I'm totally going to go from the heart all day today, every day, no matter what comes my way, I'm sticking with it. It's an awareness that you come into and you practice it.
0: I love that. Practice, right? That's the same thing. I'm talking about any, any physical capacity, right? Training, practice versus competition. Yep. You had started to touch on um, something that the heart, the ego, the shadow self. Yeah. There are different, uh, different voices, I guess might be an appropriate word to describe different influencers within each of us. Can you run us through those or your understanding of those?
1: Yeah, for me, it's the heart, the mind, the inner child, the ego, and the shadow self. And ego gets a bad rap in that you can be ego-driven to be the person that does the most good in the world because mm. you want to be the person that does the mm. most good. So I say it gets a bad rap because people are saying, oh, you should drop your ego. Let go of your ego. That's impossible. We all have one. And so it's, just, it's about aiming it in the right direction mm. and being aware of when It is the one that's speaking. Um, This is an important conversation, I believe, because when you're seeing people debate or argue online, it's purely your ego that wants to respond to that. That's the only part of you that wants to engage there. And so, you know, the shadow self is, you know, the, the, the part of yourself that, you know, when you see that, person in the hallway in high school that you don't like you want to trip them in the hallway like that's that's a part where you're like okay that's a we we silo that in, in thoughts that simply happen to us um that and and that's a a dichotomy as well compared to what we're taught is the thoughts happen to you um you create them as well but there are also ones that simply happen they simply pop in so the shadow self does a lot of that you know, inner child is for me synonymous with play and it's one that is um, overlooked in its importance. You know, you'll, you'll get together, you know, with friends for the weekend and, and you'll, you'll tap a little bit into that. Like when you're having a good time and it's for a few minutes and, you know, what if you could ask that part of yourself what it wants more often and really take care of that part of you and, and even allow it to set certain goals for you. Like, you know, we all have that inner, inner child in us. It's called nostalgia. Right. Um, and so rather than hold on to things that are nostalgia, like what was continue to ask it what it wants moving forwards. And, and the mind is, uh, you know, analytical, you know, it's very analytical. So that, that's a part of you that, you know, for many is the lead dog, like overthinking things. It's important in, in order to make a proper analysis. And at the end of the day, there was a time when as a human race, we had no words to use and we would go with our gut, right? Go with the heart. Like you'd be able to look in a certain direction when we were migrating across continents and say, this is the right way to go. I, I simply know it. Um, There's, there's no way for me to explain it. No analysis for me to do. You simply did.
0: The last one there was, was the heart. And of course
1: the heart. Yes. Yeah. For me, that's the most dynamic one. Um, It's the one that, again, I mean, in my, my interpretation um, produces empathy when you can ask, you know, what is, what does the heart say? It's looking out for yourself and the the other parts of your, your world and your ecosystem. Um, So for me, that one is the most dynamic one to have a conversation with because it's, it's very considerate, um, you know, of others. Mm.
0: I notice that our our members um we we tend to attract leaders and I very much enjoy that community leaders business leaders leaders uh, you know within their family units yeah and I imagine that there's value in diving into some tools that you use uh, when working with leaders that help them become more for lack of better phrasing, right? Or give more rather, or show up better, um, show up as more. And I'd like to you know, give you space to run us through some of those things.
1: Yeah. You know, so for me, if, if someone is in a setting of receiving coaching, um, something I'll, I'll dive into is usage of, uh, as you're familiar with, Cody, usage of a Google Doc for um, writing down a story when I'm sensing that someone's projecting or um, focusing on the problem um, or is uncertain. Hmm. Something is creating that and, that, and that thing was is rooted in something that happened in the past. Uh, leaders, right? to go back to the question, don't use the past as a basis for what can happen in the future. Mm-hmm. Leaders are creating from the present in, in, in a future looking sense. They're, they're saying what, it, what can be possible moving forwards. Look at 2020, nothing that happened was based on anything that already took place in the past. So if, if someone again is, is using one of those language mechanisms, Soft talk, projections, or um, you know, again, negations, focusing on the negative. We'll figure out where and when that that is rooted, and when when we identify that, and remove the emotional charge of it, and that story and that event, it becomes uh, it carries less weight, and they can focus more on the future.
0: When you're uh, when you're talking to working with leaders, do have you found that there is a more common usage of one of those uh, forms of conflict language? Right, is it soft talk, projection, negation, or is it very dependent?
1: Well, when when I'm I notice that when I'm talking with um, folks who are excellent leaders and identify as leaders, they use solid talk really well. Hmm. Um, you know, looking at uh, any corporate environment, right? It's like, we need this to be done by by the end of the day. And, and this will trigger people. This will literally trigger people because uh, they don't think and talk like that. Mm. And so when I picked up on that after I learned these concepts, and I said, oh, this is actually an act of kindness because they're being specific about when it needs to get done by. Got it. And, and solid talk too. The solid talk. Um, it's easy to implement because the, the setup words of soft talk are maybe's, probably's, one days, you know, anything like that.
0: Yeah, and when you're when you're trying to lead any unit, you want to feel that you're giving them as clear direction as possible. Correct. Right. Because
1: it's that's a, a hallmark very-
0: of. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, it's very, um, it's very results oriented.
1: Correct. Precisely as, as the leader is right. So you, to create a, a dichotomy here, there's the, the people who are in the role of leader and there's people who are trying to get there. And so when trying to get there, curating these sorts of thought processes and, and behaviors is um, what I like to walk through, walk people through Um and this, again, the solid talk is one I, I hear often from um, from leaders. You know, I'm reflecting now on, on anything additional that I really see. I mean, I, I think the question of focusing on what they do want is uh, private and, and they're able to come out and make a statement about a direction they wanna go, mm-hmm. what they wanna achieve, what the goal is. And it, it's very specific, so. The, the, the focus on the problem is very much absent in their communication because they've already worked that part out behind the scenes. If, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it's doing the intentional work yes. for yourself, on yourself, before you present to uh, the people who you are serving, you're working for. Precisely. I love that. Um, when you're thinking of, of leaders, and this is something I've been thinking about a lot over the last few years is, do you notice a difference between a leader and someone who wants to be seen
1: as a leader? Great question. Similar, very similar situation to, um, the athletics piece that I went back to in the beginning in that, that competition mindset where you you're focused on the outcome and the leaders focus on the process mm. and the leaders also genuinely focused on uh, the people their the, the peers. Um, I was listening to um a presentation by a couple of business leaders a couple hours ago, and they were, talking about an industry event that would have normally taken place in person this week. And they were reflecting on how they were on calls, you know, while in and around their, their businesses rather than being in this huge gathering. And all of them were keenly aware of everything that was going on with their, their staff and their people. They spent a lot of time talking about, um, their people and, and, uh, and not in that way, might I add, not their people, right? That's my language versus theirs. Sure. Um, but they spent a lot of time, you know, talking about them, and it was it was common amongst all three of these these folks. And I know that they're very well respected. And I thought there's a pattern there for sure. In that they they view themselves as as one of the people. They're among the people, and they're very aware of their wants and needs. Um, you know, one, one guy said that you know a salesperson was highest ranking person in his business. And he he said it in a way that was very comfortable. He was very affirmed in that belief. You could tell he was being honest about that. And so, yeah, absolutely. I I see a difference between people who live that out and people who are um, projecting that they, the the guise of a leader, the the Mm -hmm. want of that.
0: Yeah. That reminds me, you know, the, uh, the South park, you, you will respect my authorita.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: One of the things that you, I loved how you just put that, um, that they are affirmed in the belief, right? They've, yes. it's, it, it's ingrained in them. How, how, how do you imagine that we get there? How, how do you take someone through that process to start cultivating that belief because that's arguably one of the hardest parts.
1: Yeah. It, it goes back to the understanding that it's a practice, right? Because all new beliefs are going to be a little uncomfortable at first. Um, the, like the idea that you want to uh, go to a new job or you know, whatever, whatever it is, that new environment, there's always that little bit of, of discomfort that comes up. So the same with beliefs. Um, they, they say that you um you hold a belief. So you think about anything that you hold. If you're like, like a weight, for example, you're going to go up to a new weight. It's going to be uncomfortable at first. And then it, with time, it gets more comfortable as you practice. So mm-hmm. to hold a new belief, um, it takes a certain strengthening to do that.
0: That was great. I don't know that I have heard it put that way before and that was elegantly beautiful (laughs) thank you yeah i love that man so we're holding that new belief we're starting to use these statements to help us cultivate that thing
1: absolutely yes
0: right and when we're doing that we want to be speaking in the affirmative I, i talk about this with our athletes frequently and we just posted recently about this on social media it was the uh if you tell yourself that it's just really hard for me to lose weight you are going to continue to find things that let you believe that is true continuing to to think about right we 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 create what we what we look for right it's that old, it's the reticular activating system it's the it's the telling myself well it's just really hard for me to lose weight it's my genetics it's dot 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 seek and ye shall find. Yes. So all of these, one of the things you had touched, all of these things are really connected. There's an interweaving of everything. Everything is everything. At the moment in time, when you started to change your language and the way that you showed up for your workouts, rather than I had to suffer, I get to do these things. It was almost and I imagine it wasn't immediate, but over the course of time, it feels very compressed that boom, all of a sudden I'm seeing different things. I'm feeling a, a different way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm a believer in the uh, phrase, how you do one thing is how you do everything. And I recently read a, a book about this concept. Uh, it was called uh, Mental Models. And effectively, the book is about how biological growth happens the same way that uh, economic growth happens. And you know, friction versus viscosity, right? Like the way to get through something is to remove force versus, uh, remove friction rather than add force. Mm. Adding force will make the object potentially move a little bit faster, but how you get it to, to really hit, you know, warp speed is take out the resistance. And so it's like, well, that turns on a light bulb for sure. Um, it, and so when you when you do these things, in your your practice, your physical practice, they show up in your relationships. They show up in your relationship with yourself. Um, I mean, your with your career, how you handle finances. Like every area is is impacted by you making a couple of tweaks to how you have a conversation with yourself and how you uh, handle your your body and your wellness and your fitness.
0: How can individuals listening to this episode, members of Fortitude Strength and Friends and Family, how can we identify and potentially begin to remove some of this resistance?
1: You want to root all of your, the conclusions you're, you're drawing about yourself, your relationship, your, your fitness in reality somewhere. All right, so time invested. Uh, weighed on the scale, um, rather than the story in your own brain. So the alternative is a potentially dangerous story that is inaccurate or not real. So journaling about how do I know this is true? I'm holding a belief. How do I know it's true? Well, what are the what are the real, in reality, 100% solid signs that this is true? Um, again, so that that's typically. Time spent, you know, books read, browser tabs open, uh, where, where you spent money. Those are all that happened. That was real.
0: Those all become the evidence. Correct. Got it. So once we identify um, some of the evidence, what, uh, where do we take that? I mean, now I, okay, I know I'm spending my money here. I might be spending my time here. How do we make as a, as a leader or a, a business owner or um, in fitness, right? How do we start to create change?
1: Well, ask yourself, um, what do you want to be true in three months, six months, a year? That's not true now. And then because you're dealing in truth now, right? You're already dealing in the truth Cause you're, you're looking for evidence that's in reality. You're able to make changes to those things to, to go into this new truth or make this new change that you want to make. Like, okay. Here's the resources I've got to play with. I can pivot in these areas and create a new, uh, a new truth, a new reality.
0: I have a very practical example of this. At one point in time, uh, I was doing a nutritional consultation with a client and brand new and you know, man, it's just really hard to, it's really expensive rather to eat well. And we identified that in a month, over the course of just one month, he was spending around $800 eating out. Yeah. And brother, you can take half of that and you can eat like a king. Yeah. If you learn how to cook your own food. It's not really expensive. What you're doing right now is really expensive. But without that audit, that information never exists.
1: Yes, correct. That's a much more practical way of stating it, that without the audit, which is what I'm recommending, the audit is, is priority 1A. You've got to audit, and it's got to be real you can you can then make change from there as you said, once you lay out the finances of what it really costs, the belief that he was holding, which I mentioned potentially dangerous and inaccurate that it was expensive is is not so true. actually the complete opposite yeah so we're
0: gonna save you money yes what uh, if we if we're thinking about, something that you want to leave anybody listening to this episode with, what do you want them to take away from this?
1: You know, what I'd like people to to take away from this is really that, that saying that how you do one thing is how you do everything. And to, to, to look at that um, the way you, you behave um, in, in your, in your workplace, the way you behave in the gym behave in relationship there's most likely one of those areas where we already have a goal and to look at why do I have that goal and what can it do for me in these other areas that can oftentimes be the activation energy necessary for you to hit the goal it's like well if I am able to, to do this in the gym or at home or at my job everything else will become better as well like well yeah now shit I'm going to do it so you know r- real pe- people who are really driven and, and are really achievement oriented can see that like they're the types, of you know um type of people who who wake up at the same time every day and drink the same water and it's like why do they do that it's, it's obnoxious that they treat their their health like that right it's like well they treat their relationship with the same level of care it's so all of a sudden it's like well that's actually a really good person um mm. And then they, they go to the gym and they're they're more likely to have an honest conversation with themselves about a rest day or an active recovery day because they're they they're taking that time to to really take care of things. And so hold on to that, create and hold that belief that truly how you do one thing is how you do everything.
0: Man, that was that was an excellent takeaway right there. I love that. Where can uh, where can people find you, learn
1: about you, follow you,
0: show you some love?
1: Yeah, so my my handle on social media is a real K Langan. Um, that's my name, Kyle with a K. Last name Langan, L A N G A N. My website is thecareeracceleratorpro.com. That's linked to my Instagram as well or LinkedIn, Kyle Langan. Um, again, so for me, I work with uh, business professionals and businesses on uh, improving their company's culture and their company's ability to focus on customer experience um, versus, you know, internal, we'll say BS in, in short. Um, that's the mission, that's the vision. And so if you have a business and, and you're having some challenges um, with this new landscape and how your employees communicate, that can be of service.
0: What has been, this might be a, a reasonable place to uh, to put a cap on the conversation. You had just brought up that um you know if we're having challenges with the new landscape. Yeah, as a leader, what is what are what is one or some of the challenges that you are noticing that potentially weren't present in 2019 that are now in 2020, 21 no, rather.
1: Number one challenge I'm seeing is that the leaders aren't able to rely on the same mechanisms to understand what's going on with the people, right? So there's less water cooler talk, like less time where you're co-mingling inside the business. So how do you know what they're feeling, what they're thinking? It's And it's, again, it's the words they're using. It's the language they're using. So leaders got to look out for this, you know, look out for that piece where I'm seeing somebody who's, in an increasing level of frustration and, or they're focused on the problem? And how do I identify this versus hearing it outwardly stated in the workplace? Um, that there's only so many hours in a day now and, and they're spent, scheduled out, intentional time blocks. How are you maximizing that? How are you, how are you maximizing that to move forwards?
0: Have you noticed with this, uh, transition to remote work, we are losing, or some people rather, are losing that ability to keep that schedule. Like the traditional work hours don't seem to apply in the same way that they used to.
1: Yeah, I would say that there's been some changes for sure. What's changed, and this is great for some people, a challenge for others, is that it's a 100% results-oriented business now. So hours are no longer relevant It's results only to work two hours a day. You can work 10. So are you getting a result?
0: That's a beautiful opportunity.
1: It is. I agree wholeheartedly.
0: I love that. Kyle, thank you so much for your time, brother. Yes. I look forward to, uh, to our conversation tomorrow for my coaching call. Indeed. Same here. Thank you so much for sharing with us with us your story, um, the the information, the the things that are going to help the leaders who are tuning into this podcast um, moving forward.
1: Cody, once again, thank you for having me. I'm truly appreciative, and I hope your audience takes some some great things away from this.
0: Yeah, brother, I know I did. We'll talk with you soon. Fortitude. We will see you guys at the gym.